0: Open your bibles with me if you would. To James chapter 1. James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Brother John began reading in verse 17. James chapter 1, beginning around verse 17. If you want to have your Bible open to to that area. Just heard that song being sung by Mary Beth. And um, I don't know how many of... uh, the people of God in this country really understand how, um, how sweeping the evil in our land is right now. You know, I've expressed a couple of times that our young people don't really even know the United States of America that those of us that are over the age of 40 grew up in. They, they don't even really know it. We live in a, it almost, you know, for those of us that have traveled, then many of us in this room have traveled a great deal around, it's almost like you're in a strange foreign uh, country in our, own, in our own land right now. I don't know. I know I've said this a lot of times, and I don't want you to misunderstand what I say. Now, the, the remarkable thing, you know, the songs turn the tide. I don't know if you understand the power of tide, the tide. I don't know if you understand just how, what a mighty force. Anybody that's ever been st- just caught in the riptide at the ocean. Just, you know, you're, the water's coming in one way, but down at your legs you can feel it pulling strongly out uh, the other way. And uh, there's, there's no way to stand against this. There's no way to, you know, many, many strong swimmers have died in a riptide that simply pulled them out too far. They simply could not return to the, to the land. Um, and we are unable to turn this tide. We collectively are unable to turn this tide. But our Lord Jesus walked on the water. And he can say, peace be still, and he can turn the tide. I don't know. I think perhaps if, if, we, if we really would have God turn the tide in America around, I believe instead of focusing on America, perhaps we should focus on him. Perhaps instead of focusing our energies and our efforts on, on our government, we should instead focus on his glory instead. If, we were to, if, we, if, if the children of God in the United States of America had a strong desire to live for the glory of God and the good of their neighbor, I believe that that by itself would turn America around as God, I believe, will, will, will hear and heed the answers to our prayers when they are not to be consumed upon our lust. So many people that want God to turn America around really simply want to go back to what we remember, if you understand what I'm saying. But I believe that God doesn't want to take us back to what we remember. I believe He actually wants to take us forward into all of His will for our lives. Now, ironically, when you hear the um, media or the politicians of our day talking about going forward, they're not... All the will of God. They're going forward into all the worldliness, to all the ungodliness. They talk change by its change is not good if it's going to be in the wrong direction. But it is, it is needed. It is necessary for you to recognize, for me to recognize, for us to be honest in our own lives about where change does need to take place. But the change that needs to take place in your life, the change that needs to take place in my life is where the Lord Jesus Christ puts his finger on something in your life and says, this. Needs to change in your life. And by the way, here's the wonderful thing. God will never ask you to do anything that he does not give you the power to then be able to do. He is not asking you in your strength to do anything. He is asking you in your... His strength is made perfect in your weakness. When you'll acknowledge that you can't, you will find out that he can. You need to pray this way. I cannot but it must be done. Lord, it cannot be done. I can't do this, but it must be done in my life. It has to happen. Too many, too many Christians, way too many Christians, uh, nobody's perfect. uh, um, uh, You know, we're all weak. These things are all true. Nobody's perfect, and we are all weak, but greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Far greater, by the way. This morning we were having a time of prayer, which we do each Sunday morning, and somehow during our time of prayer this morning, I began to just recognize, I just want you to just for a moment start to picture the the amount of power and energy in a star, or two stars, or a thousand stars, or a million stars, or a billion stars, or a trillion stars, and then start to recognize that none of that, none of that is close to the power in our God. None of that, listen, I'm talking about in His, you have no idea what His very person is like. If the very person of God were present in this room, literally the earth would be destroyed. If all the glory and majesty and power of God were to appear to us in this room right now, we would all be gone instantly. Just our physical bodies would all be gone instantly, including the entire planet that we're on. He is so far beyond the power of anything in this world. There is nothing, nothing that compares with our God. Nothing, nothing at all. And yet we pray to him as if he was apathetic or weak, one or the other, or both even. Shame on us, not shame on him, shame on us. God help us. God help us to understand as we've been studying together in the book of James, that what he shows us in the book of Hebrews, how we have a great high priest who not only ever liveth to make intercession for us, but is pouring out a whole new Quality, a whole new powerful life in us. And then the book of James, the first of these general epistles that begins to show us the proof of these promises, says, and this God intends for this to be true. Hear me. In your everyday life. Not on special occasions. Not after much prayer and fasting. And I'm not saying anything's wrong with prayer and fasting. And I'm not saying there aren't special occasions in our life. But the average Christian is only looking for God in what they consider disastrous situations. Listen, you failing before your children, first thing Monday morning before you go to work, is a disastrous situation. Your selfishness in your extended family or in your family right at your house is a disastrous situation. And the Lord Jesus Christ didn't save you and make you a new creature to live like that. So one of two things is wrong. Either you're not a new creature or you're not trusting him to work out his promises in your life. And in neither way is he honored or glorified. You know, there are many people who would say, I believe that Jesus is the Christ. I really believe that I'm a new creature. I've got mine. I'm going in. And that's all that matters. Well, first of all, if you really feel that way, I'm worried about your salvation to begin with. And secondly, honestly, shame on you. Shame on you. He is worthy. Now, Revelation chapter 5, praise And I thank God for Revelation chapter 5. We will all sing a new song. We will all, listen, I just want to say this one more time. In the book of Revelation chapter 5, everyone who's a new creature is there. Everyone throughout all of history who's ever been saved or ever will be saved. That's what's taking place in, 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 in Revelation chapter 5. So everyone that's there is literally a new creature. But not just a new creature, they are a perfected new creature. In the moment and the twinkling of an eye... Everything's changed. Well, that's already happened in Revelation chapter 5. So everyone there will know as they are known. We see through a glass darkly now, but then face to face. And we will be in that time. You will not have any sin to hinder your mind. You will not have any selfishness to cloud your understanding. You will understand everything that's going on in a glorious, wonderful truth. And when you understand that, you will say with everyone else, Thou art worthy. Worthy. You can can give no greater compliment than worthy. It's remarkable. We, We could say, thou art almighty, because he's true. Thou art omniscient, and he is. We could say all of these things, but what we will say is, thou art worthy. Thou art worthy. You deserve all glory and honor and majesty. You deserve it. You deserve it. In that passage, by the way, they're looking for just one that's worthy. Just one that's worthy to open the book. God the Father sits upon the throne looking for one who can open the book and bring all these things to to the right and glorious end. And Abraham can't open the book. Paul can't open the book. David can't open the book. Hudson Taylor can't open the book. Nobody is found worthy to open the book. And John weeps much because of it. But the angel with him, (laughs) you you know, I'll tell you what, the phrase, but God, right? The angel with him says, oh, oh, weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah. He hath prevailed to open the book and to loosen the seals thereof. Amen. And John behold, and he sees a little lamb as it had been slain. Our little, quote, unquote, our little tiny slaughtered Lord Jesus in glory and majesty comes and takes the book and puts an end, praise God, to all of these things, closes everything out, and then comes to this world. And boy, when he comes next time, there will, listen, let me understand this. The same Christ that came in humility last time is still humble. But when he comes next time, that humble Christ is going to come as the glory. King of kings and Lord of lords. And there will be no tolerating sin when He comes again. There will be no tolerance for it. Today is the day of salvation. Now listen to me, hear me. If you want America to be turned, hopefully it's for the sake of the Americans that live here. The Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 9, he's very, very, at the end of chapter 8, you can't be any happier than somebody is at the end of chapter 8, right? Right. Neither height nor breadth nor breadth or width, nothing can separate me from the love of God in Christ. It is wonderful, it is finished, it is complete, and nothing can ever settle this any better. Nothing can ever stop this. Amen. And chapter 9 says, I'm in continual, continual, heavy sorrow. Why? Because he knows people who aren't saved. And that's the burden of his heart. But listen, hear me, please hear me. The child of God should always have a smile, an honest, not a f- plastic, not a phony, the child of God should always have a smile on their face, except for when they're weeping for somebody else's needs. That's the goodness of our God. And God intends, through the book of James, to cause us to understand how this is true in our lives and to check and find out whether it's true in your life. And I beg you, I beg you with all that is within me, honestly, if it's not true in your life, be honest about it. If you need to be saved, be saved. It doesn't matter how long you've been in church. It doesn't matter when you were baptized. It doesn't matter how much tithe you've given. It doesn't matter how many roles you've been on. If your name is not on the Lamb's book of life, nothing else matters. So if you're not saved, be saved and be honest about it. And if you are saved and you're not walking as the Lord Jesus wants you to walk, then be sa- just be honest about it. Just be honest about it. I tell you, you have no idea the power of being honest. You know, you don't have to pretend. You don't have, you know. Um, maybe Brother Kurt will be, you know, okay with me sharing this. We were talking about the things that we had to testify about in court, and he said this. You know, much, much testimony, much, much time, and he said, you know, we have this, the, We have this one serious advantage: we don't have any stories. We didn't make any of this up. We don't have to remember what we said here, what we did there, because it's all just what happened. All we have to do is be honest, amen? So just be honest with God. I do, I, listen, hear me, please hear me. I do not understand any child of God holding something behind their back in their prayer life and pretending that it's not there. Do you really believe the one with whom everything is naked and open The idea God sees and knows everything. And here you are in your prayer life with this horrible, terrible failure in your life. And you go to pray to God about this or that. And you leave the one really significant thing held behind your back. And I promise you, the Holy Ghost says to you every time you do that, take that thing out from behind you. What thing, Lord? What thing? That thing behind you. Take it out. Put it down in front of me. Let's talk about that. Let's deal with that. And if you'll do that, God will deal with it. Amen? You may have hot, heavy tears as God deals with it. You really may have tremendous broken heart while God deals with it. But I tell you, there's nothing like the joy that comes in the morning after that. There's nothing like knowing I have peace with God about that thing that has been between my God and I for a long, long time. There's nothing between my soul and the Savior. Nothing. Praise God for that. Honestly, praise God for that. Turn to, to verse 18, if you would. I just want to make a couple of points. Verse 18. Of his own will. How did this get started? Listen, listen. We don't have time to go back. We can't, we can't keep going back to the beginning of the chapter, right? The very beginning of the, chap- of the chapter. Well, let me just read it, okay? James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. When you first get saved, look up here, please. When you first get saved, suddenly you find that there is conflict in your life That was never in your life before. And you say, I do not understand this. I I my sins are forgiven. Why is this conflict in my life? And here's why. Because all of the ungodly things that were your friend before, they're not your friend anymore. You don't like them. They bother you. But they're still there. There but they're still there. And suddenly you find it. an ongoing conflict all the time. Most of your relationships had an ungodly tone to them. So this conflict, even in the relationships with those that you care about because you used to be completely selfish in all of these relationships. And now you have a different hard attitude about it. And yet you find that the relationship hasn't changed itself completely. Even though you've been changed, the things around you haven't yet been changed. And God says, count it all joy because that's the mark of being a new creature. When you realize I no longer want the things that I wanted before, the things that were a pleasure for a moment to me are now a burden to my heart. I don't want this in my life anymore. I don't want to be like this anymore. I don't want these things to be this way. And God said, I'm going to change it. Let me. Right? Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work. Let her have her completing work, that you may be perfect in the idea and entire, wanting nothing. God, listen, hear me. From the time you're saved, from the very moment of your salvation, God instantly wants to change everything. And he is, listen, I don't know how long you think it takes to get from Egypt to the promised land, but it's a very short walk. They only wandered in the wilderness because of unbelief. They only didn't enter into all that God wanted for them because they wouldn't enter into all that God wanted for them. Some of you have been saved for many, many years, and you have still to this day not really entered into the will of God for your life. But those of you that are young Christians, you don't have to take as long as we did. You can just say yes. Yes. No to this. Right? The horse and the rider thrown into the sea. Destroy all of my enemies, Lord. Destroy all that is within me that hinders me from being able to go into your will. for my. Destroy my unbelief. Destroy my selfishness. Destroy my own sick will. Destroy it all. Get rid of it all. And instead, replace it with the glory of Christ. Please, please, may Christ be formed in me, Father. May your word dwell in me richly. And God wants to accomplish this in your life. So let's go down now. So in verse 18, how did this all happen? How did I even get to this place where suddenly the things that I used to love, I don't love anymore? And this is how. Of his own will. Amen? Amen? There is none that seeketh after God. No, not one. And yet God is pursuing every man, every woman, and every young person. God is continually seeking us. We're not seeking him. We love him because... He first loved us because of him. And by the way, it is the love of Christ that changes everything. It is the love of God. It isn't the holiness of God. The holiness of God is going to judge everything. It has to. It has to. But it isn't the holiness of God that changed everything. The holiness of God, quite honestly, the holiness of God scared me to death. And it should. The holiness of God caused me to realize that God was indeed keeping score and I was not winning. Right? Right? But it was the love of God. Boy, if you, could only, if you could hear, if I could play for you out loud, my heart, as Bob Bornfuss, was telling me, that love can be seen clearest in the Lord Jesus Christ coming and dying for me. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner, condemned, unclean. Oh, how marvelous. Oh, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. Amen? Oh, how marvelous, oh, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. Why would God love us? Of his own will. Of his own will. It's what he wanted to do. Praise God that he wanted to rescue us. We would not be rescued. Praise God that He does not stop chasing us, because oh, because I tell you what, you know, again, I don't want to go into some great detail, but Spurgeon one time, Spurgeon, you know, sermon after sermon after, sermon after sermon after sermon after sermon after sermon after sermon after sermon, preaching the goodness and grace and power of God. Finally, somebody went up to see him after a sermon one day and said, "You're always talking about God's part in salvation. Why don't you talk about your part in your salvation?" And he said, "My part was to run as hard and fast as I could away from God. Why would I want to talk about that?" Amen. My part was to run as hard and as fast as I could away from God. His part was to chase me down. Why would I talk about my part? Where's the glory in my part? There's, only, there's nothing but shame in my part. There's nothing but ignominy in my part. Why would we discuss our goodness? Why? Why? And I never understand when I listen to people giving their testimony, talking about themselves. Oh, please stop talking about yourself. If you feel that way about yourself, you don't yet know yourself. Yeah. Of his own will. Is that what it says or not? Of his own will begat he us. With the word of truth, praise God, nobody ever gets saved without the word of God. Nobody's ever changed. Listen, nobody's ever changed by your thoughts and ideas, by my thoughts and ideas. But the word of God is quick and powerful. The word of God, and by the way, that word quick means alive. The word of God is alive and powerful. You want to help somebody? Give them the word of God. Give them the word of God. Why can a track save lives? Well, because clever people write tracks. That's not why. You know, I, I, you know it would be wonderful just to give out tracts that have no, no words in them other than verse after verse after verse after verse. Well done. By the way, there's a booklet that does that. There's a booklet that does devotions by doing nothing other than giving verses. Now, they're not in order they're, because they're, they're written in such a way to kind of say something. And, but they are contextually accurate. And it's tremendous just to read the Word of God and how quick and powerful it is. All by itself. The best, again, this morning as I express to you what the Word of God says, the best that I can do is simply reveal what it says. That's why we're drawing attention to this. Of His own will begat He us. Because what matters is, of His own will begat He us. Amen? Not what I think about it, not what you think about it, not how cleverly I can say it. Of His own will begat He us. With the Word of truth that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. Notice that it is God's will that causes us to be new creatures. We have not done this, but God has changed us. Wherefore, so if you got of his own will underlined in verse 18, and you got wherefore underlined in verse 19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, because, because God has made us new creatures, let us now obey his voice by walking after the Spirit, instead of after the flesh. Now, let me look up here, please. If you really are a new creature, this can be done in your life. Do you understand that? Do you understand? Uh, you guys might not remember. Some of you will. Nancy Reagan. Um, her slogan when she was dealing with drugs and alcohol. Some of you may, some of you may not even know who Nancy Reagan was. <clears throat> was just say... Some of you are old enough to remember that. Just say no. Now, here's the problem. Your flesh can't say no to drugs and alcohol or sex or rock and roll or any other ungodly thing. Your flesh doesn't want to say no. But listen, listen. What the, what the Word of God teaches us is when you're a new creature, you can say no. You can. Not by your strength, but the inward man delights in the law of God. The inward man does want to say no. And the inward man says to you, be quiet. You can't have your way anymore. Again, I'm telling you, listen, please hear me. Your flesh wants to pretend to be your friend. You know, just walks over, puts his arm around you. Hey, buddy, we've been through a lot together. Yep, and you got me in all that trouble. Well, I'm here for you now. No, you're not. Go away. I have a new friend now. Amen? I have an inward man. I have the Holy Ghost of God living within me. You are not my friend. He really is my friend. You got me, you got me condemned to hell. He saved me from that condemnation. You tell me which one's my friend. You tell me who my real friend is. And I'll tell you, your flesh is not your friend. Your flesh. Forget their flesh. Everybody's always worried about what somebody else is doing. Worry about what you've done. Worry about what you're doing. Even the child of God can walk after the flesh. And when you walk after the flesh, you will fulfill the lust of the flesh. And when you fulfill the lust of the flesh, it will bring forth sin. And sin, when it is conceived, will bring forth death. Still, Still, the child of God bringing forth death in relationships with their mother, their cousins, their extended family, their co-workers, their friends, their neighbors, bringing forth death. How sick that is. How terrible that is. And it's not God's intention. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Praise God for the quiet man. Amen? You can say amen. It's okay to say amen. It's not, you can still be the quiet man and say Amen? The things that God commands here are not fleshly. They're spiritual. God says, I want you to listen to my word. I want you to continue in my word. I want you not to talk so much. And listen, and here boy, I tell you what, there's probably, probably 90% of the men in here could truly rejoice if they could be honest with themselves when it says this slow to wrath. Stop being angry, men. Boys, young men, stop being angry. Leave it alone. Let it go. Let it go. Doesn't have to be this way. Doesn't have to be this way. And boy, I tell you what, there's not, I don't imagine there is. I don't, it's probably true in women's lives too, but I know it's true in mine more than it is in my wife's. How many of you can still feel, still, still, the situation isn't going the way you want it to go. How many of you can still feel the, I mean, I'm telling you, I can feel the tightness in my shoulders. I can feel the clench in my fist. Amen? I can feel me wanting to say, everybody stop moving right now. Everybody in the room, this has, everybody just, really, literally, you ask my family, everybody stop. And then I want to say, okay, now everybody do this. And if anybody dares to say, but, oh, I said stop. Amen. Anybody ever been there? Some of you thinking yesterday, amen. Really? See, that's not Spiritual. Listen, what I want you to picture, I, want, I, I, just need, I need you to see this. I need you to see the Lord Jesus standing in the same room as you are, because he is standing in the same room as you are. I want you, to see, I want you to see his heart toward your wife and your children. I want you to see his heart toward us, all of us. I, and you can picture it. All you got to do is go back and read the Gospels. And listen, listen, please hear me. The thoughts and intents of the hearts of everyone in the room, he knows them all. Every one of them. More than once, he actually talks to somebody because he knew what they were thinking, right? But he doesn't always point out that he knows the thoughts and intents of all their hearts. But he does always know the thought. He says to them something, why are you reasoning this way? Why are you thinking like that? But he doesn't always say that, but he always knew it. And yet he loved them. And I mean loved them. I'm not saying he tolerated them. I'm not saying he didn't destroy them. I'm not saying that, yes, he did tolerate them. Yes, he did not destroy them. But he far more than that, he loved them. And he loved them. And he got up the next morning and you know what he did? He went right back to them. And he loved them. And he loved them. And he loved them. And he loved them. them. For God so loved the world. That's true. And I can be that way. And I have been that way. Not as much still, not to the degree that I know God is accomplishing it in my life, but it is changing, praise God. And it is changing more and more and more as I become honest with myself when it's not true. Because listen, listen, you can clench your shoulders and your fist and not yell everybody stop. Yes? But it's still not the way it's supposed to be. Victory is not when you don't yell. Victory is when your shoulders no longer get tense and you don't start moving your hands. Amen? That's when victory comes, when that feeling doesn't come over you anymore. And the Lord Jesus Christ, listen, listen, Jesus didn't have to hold back his anger because love overcame that all the time in his life. And it can be true in our lives. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Your wrath, your, (laughs) I'm telling you, fundamentalists need to understand this. Independent Baptists need to understand this. Us being right is not going to help this world. It's not. Now, us being right is important. Don't get me wrong. The book that says the end of the commandment, the goal is love, the end of the commandment, right? First Timothy 1 Timothy 1.5, the end of the commandment is love or charity out of a pure heart, a good conscience, and faith unfeigned. That's the goal, but that's also the book of sound doctrine. So sound doctrine does matter, but sound doctrine that doesn't produce agape love is not really sound doctrine. And by the way, if you have what you call love and you don't have sound doctrine, then you don't really have love either. Do you understand? They go wonderfully together. And where can you see someone who's full of grace and truth? And it's in our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, we beheld him. We've beheld his glory. The glories of the only begotten of the Father. The only one born of God himself is our Lord Jesus Christ. And when we see him, we say, that's the way we should all be right there. We should all be just like that. Just like that. Even the, even the lost world can't help but acknowledge. Whenever, you know, if you, if you, if you read a review about a Superman movie, they'll talk about the, the um, what's the word, uh, the Jesusification, if you will, of, of Superman. How, how people look up to him because he does what's good and right all the time. There are many stories told throughout American history through literature and stuff like that where the people who do not even want to identify that the Bible is true can't help but create a character very similar to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because everybody in their heart knows he's good. And he's not just great, he's good. I'm not good. Remember, he said, somebody said, good master. And he said, why'd you call me good? There's none good but God. And you know what, you can still call Jesus good if you want to. Because he's God the son. What I want you to see this morning, I want to turn your attention quickly. Starts in verse uh, 22 starts in verse 22. Verse 20 says, The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart... Look, because the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. And now here's the key. Listen, here is the key. Before I can show you verses 22 on, you've got to get the key. It's in verse 21. And receive with meekness the engrafted word... Which is able to save your souls. Now, remember, we're talking about the Word of God making a difference in your daily life. So receive with meekness the engrafted Word. And this word engrafted literally has the idea of something being engrafted to you, right? Does anybody I, I've never done this, but the Bible talks about it. the Bible actually uses this example, and horticulturists understand what this means. You can actually take the branch of one tree and you can graft it into another tree. Hear you. If the branch that you graft in is alive, and the and the tree that you grafted into is alive, and you know what you're doing, this branch can grow in this tree. Because the, the branch gets its life not from itself, but from the tree that it's in. Amen? And what God is saying is this, this, let me engraft the word into your life. Let me give you life by putting, listen, hear me, this is important, by putting my word into you. Because the word of God is quick, alive, and powerful. You want to have life? You need the word of God in you. You want to have wisdom? You want to have real understanding? You want to have real knowledge? Let the word of God be in you. Let the word of God, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let it fill you. Let it be in your life richly. Now, notice how God explains this. It says, so, um, receive, so lay aside all this naughtiness. By the way, let me just think, let me talk to you about this. It says, wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. Get rid of those things. Now, let me, why would that be true? Why would that be true? What, picture this, picture this in a garden. I'm not, I'm not a gardener. I'm not. I mean, it's not even a matter of, it's just purely a matter of, of apathy, literal apathy. I could care less, right? I mean, I'd like the grass to be green. That's it, right? You know, we have, fl- we have flowers around our house. You know how many of those flowers I've planted voluntarily? <laughs> None of them. None of them. None of them. Flowers are Work. Right, weeds are not work. You know, we have. Yeah, I wouldn't even say we have necessarily grass in most of our yard. We have green stuff growing in most of our yard. Amen. Weeds are green. Amen, for the most part. And, I, and here's the funny thing. I know my neighbors might feel like, "Well, I wish he gave more attention to his lawn." I don't. I don't even care. I mean, I don't even care a little bit. Not even a little bit. There was a time in my life when I did. There wasn't. People. Not, I mean, there was a time in my life. My. We used to. You know, you come over to our house. The sprinklers were working, and the grass was all really green and everything, and all that energy and effort. What I found was this. If you don't keep doing it, it doesn't stay like that. (laughs) You know, right? It's like people who don't want to make their bed. It's like, well, I'm going to get into it in a couple of hours anyway. (laughs) Amen? This is wasted effort. But it's not wasted effort to be in the Word of God. It's not wasted effort. But it is continual. It is a You're going to see this in just a moment. Listen, the key... To have it, listen, I mean this with all my heart. The key to having a whole new quality of life in your everyday life is that you let the Word of God dwell in you richly, day after day after day after day. Devotions are not a checklist; they are the nutrients that feed the soul of a new creature. You must have the Word of God. You must, please hear me. You must have the word of god if you have no appetite for the word of god you're not saved if you have no appetite if you can put if you can put your bible down today when you go home and not open it until, you, you know there are people who would say i never lose my bible preacher right but that's because you never move it you go home and you put it down you go to church next week you pick it up on the way out that's not good and it's not healthy. But listen to me. Having devotions to check off that you had devotions is not good or healthy either. You must want to be in the Word of God. You must recognize that this is what changes my life. If you have no appetite for the Word of God, you're not a Christian. It's like, being, it's like, it's like pretending that you're a, alive. It, when a child is stillborn, it doesn't need to eat. It doesn't need its mother because it doesn't have life. But when a child does have life, praise God, it wants to know where mom is right now. And it has a desire for that. And by the way, any of you that's ever ever around little children, they'll let you know. Amen? Yes? No? You know, a six-month-old child doesn't lay there and wish, Boy, I sure wish mom would pick me up. I'd really like to eat again. I suppose sometimes she'll think about it and look over here and say, hey, would you like to eat? No, they say, I need to eat right now, right? And then they say it again and again and again. They don't have any words. They just cry. But you still know what they need, amen? A child of God has to have that kind of a strong desire for the word of God. When you get saved, when you got saved, if you had no appetite for the word of God, I promise you, you just weren't saved. You really weren't saved. Listen, I'm not telling you this to be critical. I'm not telling you this to to judge your Christianity. I'm telling you because where there is life, spiritual life, there will be desire for spiritual things. There will be a desire. All of you who've ever faked it and then actually got saved will say amen. You'll testify strongly. I remember pretending to be a Christian and having no appetite for the Word of God, but I remember the change when I got saved. And now I had a strong desire for the Word of God. I never pretended to be saved, never. But I tell you what, just as soon as I was saved, I wanted nothing more than to be in my Bible all the time, all the time. And it had nothing to do with being smart, it had nothing to do with showing off what I knew. It simply was God is awesome, my Father is awesome. My Father is worthy of spending time with, I want to spend time with my Father. And I still feel that way today. I still feel that way today. And I'm not bragging, I'm not boasting, I'm just telling you that's what happens. And that's what God is saying here in His Word. Now notice what happens, notice the contrary. Verse 22 says, but be ye doers of the Word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Some of you may be thinking right now, amen, preacher, This is great. What you're saying now is so great. But we need to be doers of the word and not just hearers only. Notice that when we do this, it's us who are deceived. Notice what it says. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. You're probably not deceiving anybody else, and you're certainly not deceiving God. But it is possible. Isn't it amazing? Listen it is possible that you're sitting here this morning and you are deceived enough, you have lied to yourself long enough that you really believe where you're sitting right now, it's okay. And the truth is trying to break the rock of your arrogance and saying, but it's not okay. But what about this? But what about that? And you have excuse after excuse. You're deflecting the word of God as it comes toward you to say, no, no, hear the word of God. Hear the word of God. You're not a new creature. You don't love the word. You don't love others. You're still selfish. And when you hear that, you need to just be honest and say, that's true. God, that's true. Rescue me. Please rescue me. And I, I'll tell you what, I, man, as soon as you hit your knees, just as soon as you hit your, most everybody in here understands what salvation is like. You, you know, I mean, who was it? Uh, Cheryl Pletz. Cheryl Pletz giving her testimony of salvation. She's a preacher's wife, right? She had done VBS after VBS after VBS after VBS. When we weren't in this building, it's when we were over at uh, Providence. And she got up for, during an invitation. She started, she came back. She came from where uh, about where Sean and, and Dora and sitting, the, the pews are a little bit longer, the shape of the building is a little bit different. She came down, she started walking down the aisle toward me. I was standing down here waiting for her, she came down. And as she started to walk toward me, she started to smile as she started walking toward me. She wasn't smiling when she started, but she was smiling and she got about halfway. And she said, Pastor, I was going to come down here and tell you that I, needed to be, that I need to be saved. But I got saved back there on the way down here. Amen? Because as soon as she acknowledged her need, as soon as she hit her knees, if you will, in her heart, God saved her. Just as soon as she was honest about it, God said, I'll say. She already knew the word. She had taught it year after year after year after year. But she finally let God make a change in her life with the word. 4, verse 23. And it'll be done. I'm not going to take a long time. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. Now all of us recognize what it means for someone to look into a mirror. And most of us recognize this because of ourselves, right? I don't remember exactly how my mother worded it. When I was a teenage boy, my mother, she said something like this, I could not stay in a room that didn't have a mirror in it because I had to be able to see me. It's not this, it doesn't look as good as it used to, by the way. I mean, I acknowledge that. A year ago, we were having some, some function, a social function, that had to do with teenagers and adults, and, and there was a family here, and they were talking about uh, being on a desert island with their children, and it had to do with their son. And they were talking about if they were on this desert island with their son, there would have to be a mirror there on that island, or their son wouldn't be able to get along without that mirror. Right? That's a boy, not a girl, Right? He's a good-looking guy. I can understand that. He is a good-looking guy. You know what I'm saying? And he, I guess he must know it because he likes to look in that mirror. So we don't, under, listen, we don't, listen, you have any idea how many minutes, hours maybe people spend in America in front of a mirror, right? Listen, I'm getting ready to go to church. Oh, you mean you're spending time alone with God in your Bible, getting ready to go? No, no, I'm spending time alone with my mirror, getting ready to go to church. Yes? No? You tell me where you, you think the average American spends more time before they go to church. Yes? We invented full-length mirrors. Yes? (laughs) Yes? Right? Yeah? I mean, (laughs) you're all smiling. (laughs) It's a smile of understanding. Amen? Yeah? We know what this means. It's funny, because I don't know if they didn't know what this meant. I don't know how many mirrors they had when this was written. And so the idea... Now, I I don't know know if that meant people got up and they looked in the mirror and then they walked away and forgot to comb their hair. I I don't know exactly what this is making reference to. But I promise, that doesn't happen in America. People comb their hair. Well... Those of you that have hair, comb your hair. You know what I'm saying? People comb their hair, they, prune, they, they preen themselves, they get ready. What this is saying is, listen, this is saying there are people who don't know what's true about themselves, but I want you to notice that the focus is upon, let's, let's read it. It says, for if any be a hearer of the word, verse 23, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass, for he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway so right what manner and manner he was. Do you see what the focus is? Of course, I emphasize the word, but do you see the focus? What's the focus on? Him, him, me, 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 me. And that sounds like American Christianity. Me, 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 me. But notice this in verse 25. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he, being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Now we're gonna close out by just understanding the difference. Now, by the way, recognize this. Recognize this. Going back to receiving the word of God that's engrafted into your life. This is the difference between those that pretend and play church and those that are new creatures. But, notice this, the one looking into, that's what it says, for whoso looketh into, there's someone who's looking into. Watch in this verse, how the focus of the verse is not simply on the one that is looking, nor is it on the mirror. It's going to change our, our, our attention immediately. The, the, the Greek here for looking is to stoop down and to lean in. To stoop down and to lean in. Now, notice this in contrast with verse twenty-four. In verse twenty-four, he beholds himself and straightway walks away from it. So here's the thing. Picture this now. Picture this. I don't know if I should. I have a mirror. I have a mirror in my office. It's in the bathroom in my office, and it's one of those mirrors that on one. It's a round mirror. It flips over. Okay. On one side, it's just a mirror. On the other side, it's a magnifying mirror. Right. And I use, and I have retinal dystrophy, and I'm losing my eyesight. And I want, and you know, when you have retinal dystrophy, individual pieces of shaving that you miss, you don't notice them. So I turn this thing around when I'm shaving, right? And and it's funny because you know what I do? I lean down and I look in. And I changed my, and, and, and you know, the way a, a mirror like that works, you have to be exactly the right distance away from it or it turns upside down or out of focus, that type of a thing. But if you really want your shave, if I want my shave to be clean, I have to actually take the time to go through the whole process nice and slow and get it all done. Yes? And here's what God, now God, this helps me to understand what God is saying here. Let's lo- notice this. Now, Okay, so listen. But whosoever leaneth down and, le- and stoops, stoops down and leans in to the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein. He, being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Now I want to talk for just a moment. I want you to put a circle around law of liberty. Law of liberty. Does that even sound like something you'd understand? The law of liberty. I thought there was either law or there was liberty, right? right if there's law over here there can't certainly be liberty with it liberty be is to be free from the law but it's not the law of god is to make you free our lord jesus is very clear about this if listen this is what he says if you continue in my word right if you continue in my word you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free you want to be free You want to have, listen, hear me, please hear me. You're going to think I'm wrong. You really are. Many of you sitting where you are right now, even as new creatures, you're going to say, it doesn't make any sense that I can be free by keeping what the Word of God says. And the answer is, yes, you can. Because it's the only thing that can set you free from yourself. It's the only thing that can set you free from yourself. Listen, you are going to do what somebody says in your life. You're either going to do what you say or you're going to do what God says. And if you do what you say, you are a slave to your own lusts. And your own lusts, we already saw in this chapter, are going to bring forth sin, and sin is going to bring forth death. That's what's going to happen if you follow your way. Or or you can stoop down, listen to me, please hear me, stoop down and lean into the word of God and let it change you. Now notice how it says this, and continue therein. So I want you to notice that the law of liberty will set you free. I also want you to notice, and you just need to look this up later, we're running out of time, it is the perfect law liberty, It is not the perfecting law of liberty, although it does perfect us. It does make us whole. It does change our lives. It is exactly what what God wants to do. He wants to use His Word to perfect us, but it is already perfect. Amen? The law of God, hear me, listen. The Word of God is perfect. And now, there wasn't enough amens. We're going to change the way we do things here at Tidewater Baptist Church. The preacher's going to say something true. And the people are going to respond with either, you can just say that's true if you want to. Amen means that's true. But you can just say that's true, or you can say amen, or you can say amen, or you can say amen, or you can say however you want to. <laughs> but we need to say amen to the Word of God, and I mean that. We need to be able to say amen to the Word of God. It actually should matter enough that you say, now let me say this, the reason I say this is this. You can go into some churches that are preaching mostly nonsense and hear people saying amen all day long. And say, yeah, I don't want to be like that. I don't want you to be like that. But when it is true, you should say amen. And not for yourself. Jacob McKinney said this the other day. And this is, going to be, this is going to become more and more the case in our church. It is going to. It has to be. We want our children to be raised in a place where talking about the Word of God is not weird. Where teenagers talking about the Bible isn't weird. Listen to me. In most independent Baptist churches, adults talking about the Word of God is weird. And there's something wrong with that. But here's why. Nobody says amen when the preacher preaches the truth. And what that means is this. Either you don't care enough to say amen or you don't realize the benefit to others when you acknowledge that's true. Listen, when John teaches Sunday school, John teaches Sunday school in this room, I sit there. I must say amen 30, 40, 50 times while he's preaching. And I don't say any amen to be heard saying it. And I don't say any amen so that there's words in the air. I say amen because that's true, John. That helped me. That's true, John. That helped me. Now, I I hope that somebody hears me say amen and they think, yeah, I thought that was good too. I thought that was important too. It helps me to hear that Pastor thought that was important. Amen? It does. It really, really does. It really helps others. When you acknowledge out loud, that's true. That's true. That's true, and I needed that. Thank you for that. That's true, and I needed that. It will help your children. It'll help the other children. It'll help the other adults when they recognize that you hear the truth and it matters to you that you're hearing the truth. Okay, we're gonna finish with this. Stooping down, looking into the perfect law of liberty and continuing therein. He's not bound by the word of God. The new man is created to live as Christ lived. The inward man delights in the law of God. The spiritual man loves the word of God always. He doesn't just say amen. He lives and does according to the perfect law of liberty. It's what he wants. He is not bound by this word. He is set free by this word. And he shall be blessed in his deed. The deed of continually looking into the perfect law of liberty. The first thing, listen, the first thing that you're blessed in when you, when you continue to lean in and look into the perfect law of liberty, the first thing you're going to be blessed in is actually just doing that. Now, I want, you to, I want to give you a scenario. A guy walks up and he says, what are you doing? And you say, I'm digging out this gold. And he says, why? And you say, because it's gold. Yes? Yes? Really, picture that. you got a pickaxe, a pickaxe. We're not even talking about a ground full of dirt with a couple of nuggets in it. We're talking about you've got a pickaxe and a great big orange, yellowish, shiny chunk of metal, and you're hitting it with a pickaxe, and pieces of it are falling off, and you're putting them in a wagon, right? And somebody walks up and says, what are you doing? Say, I'm breaking off pieces of this gold. Why? Because it's gold. Right? Would you even think it was, would it even make any sense to you to answer that question? Why? Because it's gold. Would you like an axe? Would you like your own pickaxe? Maybe you want to hit it a couple of times and fill up your wagon and take it with you. Amen? When we're in the word of God, when we're leaning down, looking into the perfect law of liberty, and someone says, why are you spending time in that? Because it's gold. In fact, the Bible's very clear. It's better than gold. The word of God is better than gold. It is more to be desired than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Why am I in my Bible? Because it's gold. That's why. Because it's gold. It changes everything all by itself. Now, by the way, Martha did not understand this. Lord, make my sister get up and make her come help me. And he said, no, no, no. She's, she's sitting here breaking off pieces of gold. And nobody's going to stop her. Nobody's going to take that away from her. Amen? That's the first thing that happens when you you do this. You shall be blessed in the very deed of just breaking off the gold. But praise God, gold has another benefit besides just having gold. Guess what? You can get a lot of stuff with gold. A lot of stuff with gold. And, And the word of God can change everything in your life. And you will be blessed in the things that you do while you do them according to the word of God. I have, every, I have every sense that when the Lord Jesus speaks about Mary choosing that one good thing, that Mary still got up and went out in the kitchen eventually and helped her sister. And I believe she was much more fun to be around than Martha was. Amen? Come on now. Come on. Listen, women, let's be honest. How many of you are fun to be around at a, at a work day? Right? You were doing the special work. and I'm telling you, I, I, now you've got to be honest because I've been with some of you in the kitchen. Right? Yes? We got, listen, we have to labor. I'm, by the way, I, I, you know, I, don't get, I don't go in the kitchen and, and cook. I go in the kitchen and get that special dish, plate, whatever they put aside, say, pastor, we made a plate aside for you. I don't cook in the kitchen. But listen, when I used to do work days, you guys can t- 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 test this, when I used to do work days, man, if we're, we, we have crews, you don't want to be on pastor's crew. Why? Because he's intense. You know what I'm saying? And God is really setting, and I still want to get things done, don't get me wrong. But we can, we can enju- we st- listen, hear me. Please don't misunderstand. We still have to get this done. But we can enjoy it while we're doing it. Amen? Amen? Martha just wanted to get it done. But she didn't have the gold. She didn't break off her own pieces. Therefore, she was no fun to be around. There was no joy spending time with her. But I promise you, when Mary went out to the kitchen to do the work that God would have her to do... I believe it was fun to be. And I, think, I mean fun in a, in, a, in a wholesome, clean, wonderful sense, not in a pleasure for a moment sense. I believe it was pleasant to be around Mary when she was serving Jesus. And I believe that that's the, listen, hear this. But whoso, going to close with this. We're going to say amen in just a moment. We're going to be done. But whoso look, I know I've been long this morning. I apologize. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he, being not a forgetful hearer, he didn't walk away. He spent time digging and digging and digging in the gold. So because of that, it changes his life. And now he's doing the things that the gold brings about in his heart. He, this man shall be blessed in his deed, both the doing of the digging in the word and, the, and what comes out of it in his own life. Amen? That's what God wants us to have. And I, I apologize. I didn't realize exactly how late it had become. I want to, but I do, I thank you for the time that you've given us together this morning and I really, I hope it went by quicker. I mean, it, did, it went by quickly as I was preaching uh, in my mind. I hope you really understand just how much, listen, please hear me. God does not want us to be sour-faced Christians. He really wants us to be able to stand around and talk with each other after the sermon and enjoy talking about the word of God and your life, what God's doing in your life, what God's doing in your life, loving one another and caring for one another, ministering, you know, listen, we're gonna, I'm going to close with this. As God works out this whole new quality of life in our everyday life here at our church, it is going to be, we're going to find together this. God is going to change our children and the children that we minister to. He's going to, he's going to, by his own power. And we're going to rejoice in these things together. But you, please hear me, please, be a doer. And the only way to be a doer is to be in the Word of God. It really is the only way to be a doer. Being a doer like Martha was a doer will be of no value to you. You'll just quit. You'll just quit. You will get angry, upset, and bothered by something. I promise you, you will. We're, we're, we're jerks, right? We are all jerks. And so if we're going to labor together, somebody better spend some time in the Bible before we do it. Amen? And if we'll all spend some time in the Bible before we do it, what a blessed people we will be. Because then we won't have our power, we'll have his power. Then we won't have our mind, we'll have his mind. And oh, what a difference that will make to us, amen? Let's stand together.